This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Well, we're talking with Jacob Young, a church planting pastor in Manchester, New Hampshire. One final question. What would be the one piece of advice that you would give to somebody starting something? And I mean, I know what you're doing isn't a business, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of angst that you've had, a lot of joy you've had, a lot of good, a lot of Mm -hmm. bad, a lot of hard, a lot of easy. And what would be that that one piece of advice, you know, that you would give out to somebody? For beginning something new, either an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. A friend of mine here in the city is, he's about my age, maybe a little bit younger than me. He's an entrepreneur and he's not a Christian. We're very good friends. And he has started up two restaurants here in Manchester. And I think the similarity for what our experience is, is that if you are starting something new, you are dreaming something into existence. And that's a very scary dynamic. And it can be a very all-consuming dynamic, whether it's a church or a restaurant or a tech enterprise a software, an app, whatever it is, you're dreaming something into existence and you're banking your livelihood on that happening. And so it can be very all consuming. And what my friend and I are regularly kind of checking in on each other with is, do you have healthy rhythms so that you are a whole human being, regardless of what happens with your, whatever you're starting up, Mm -hmm. your enterprise is a church, an app, whatever. I think that tends to be where I would aim at for men and women, young men and women, whoever, who are starting up something new is not only do you have the ability, are you honestly assessing what are healthy rhythms look like for me and human health look like for me, but do you have people around you, whether it's a spouse or close friends or family, that are able to hold you to that? Because I think we all have like, oh, I'm fine, you know, I can work 80 hours a week. Well, you do eight hours a week for 40 weeks straight, and you're going to be checked into a psych ward. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And having people who can legitimately say to you, hey, you need to reevaluate or let's reevaluate your healthy rhythms so that you're whole. And some of that includes talking to people who have no relationship to what you're doing. I have no idea what it's like to start a restaurant, but I really enjoy hanging out with my friend, and he helps me keep my head above water just like, it's good to talk to somebody who has no relationship to the church, hmm. but a part of maintaining healthy rhythms is maintaining healthy rhythms with people who are just not doing the same thing that you're doing. And the reason that's important is because if you're actually killing it, doing whatever your enterprise is, you're going to be networking out your eyeballs with people that are in the same or close to the same sphere of life that you're trying to build within, right? If you're trying to do an app, you're trying to get investors who invest in the tech world. So you're still talking to the same people that are within your sphere. You need to get out and go to a cooking class and learn how to make some killer baked salmon or whatever it is you're going to make. It's a part of being a whole person and everything about your life is not going to be consumed by what you're trying to build. So that's kind of where I would go with, if you're starting to start some new church or not, that's where my mind goes. Can I ask you a question? Of course. In the tech world and the edge of innovation, I am increasingly concerned about AI technology as it relates to mimicking and emulating other people, mm-hmm. to put it kind of broadly. So I would be curious what your advice is. So this last week, you have like this whole deep fake technology that's been out on the internet for a few years now, and now this is being used 
in very inventive ways. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with who Jordan Peterson is, but he writes this article this last week saying somebody had made a website using his voice and you could type in whatever you wanted and it would emulate his voice from recordings. It it used machine learning and AI technology to take his voice and then say whatever you're type in, you know, so you can type in Mein Kampf and he's going to recite it with his voice. And sure. so now it becomes a question of did Jordan Peterson actually say that or not? Mm-hmm. And the concerning thing that was in that article, regardless of the uh, person involved, was that that technology is now being stated. It, it's basically they only need about six hours of audio recording to be able to produce that type of technology for right. anybody. And so I, I, that hit my radar immediately because I'm like, as a pastor, <laughs> I put out 40 minutes or whatever of audio recording onto the Internet every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as a podcaster, you do similarly. Right. And it's just it, it's deeply concerning as to, okay, how how do, do I understand that? But then what are ramifications and anticipations and liabilities that I need to be aware of moving forward? Well, you does know, that question or does that dynamic make sense at all? Absolutely. I mean, you you mentioned two different things. You know, you were worried about AI and its and its applications, and then you went into a very specific example of a technology mechanism or methodology to do something. They're very yeah. different questions. The whole concept of AI or artificial intelligence. There's a point at which something becomes intelligent or not intelligent. And I don't think we're really anywhere near that. We have really expert systems that can infer things from larger sets of data than we can. We infer things, you know, somebody is rude to you, you can infer they have a bad day, you know, or, or whatever that is. Or, you know, and we can infer enormous amounts of information from tone of voice, body language, all that kind of stuff. And so systems, computer systems, will be able to be taught in some ways to do some of that. But it's not true artificial intelligence and machine learning. I mean, it is, but it's not necessarily what science fiction talks about as AI. Now, having said that, your concern is is not unfounded it's not fake it's true i mean the fact of the matter is is that i can emulate a voice or i can send an email that looks like it came from you or i can do all these different things so the bottom line is i think that we are in a situation where you won't be able to trust what you consume or see that's the only thing we can do is that you know how do you know i have a friend who has a wikipedia page that is quite controversial but he has a high resolution scan of his signature there and it's like why would you put your signature up there i think he even has a social security number on there so now the point becomes that if you see something with his signature on it did he sign it or did somebody put it there from using his high res sample you can't necessarily know that so then it becomes oh i attest to that that i indeed did sign it is that your signature yes it is is that your signature well i believe it is are very different answers so you know it, it will be the fact that you know i could very easily post something with anybody's name that i want to i mean i know you know just yesterday one of the senators was had a fake or a alias twitter account you know that was actually him and then it's like well yeah why would you do that and regardless of what your political persuasion is is what what was your point in doing that and you look at the 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 story that the person has been trying to tell over that 
So it's, it's, it's very interesting. We have to reconsider the way we validate the sources of information we have. Well, that's, yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Like, it seems like authentication is a major issue at that point. It is, but it's not a technical... I don't believe there will be a technical solution to it. It's extremely yeah. difficult. In the, in the world that we've created, there are just too many cracks in the foundation. I'm very frustrated with the Equifax breach and what has happened to that company is virtually nothing. I mean, even mm. if they get a quarter or half a billion dollar fine, it's not a big deal, you know? Yeah. Nobody goes without pay and they make that in a couple of years and everything's fine. But yet now my personal information is out and available for other people. And so what did you expect is, I guess, the, the bottom line is, is yeah. that with the genies out of the bottle, there's nothing we can do to put that information back in the bottle. And our systems are built in such a way that they're built by humans. And there's a lot of mistakes that humans make. And most of the issues that we see with technology are because humans made a mistake. So mm -hmm. I look forward to finding out what I'm going to say in the future, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it'll be a lot about relationships and saying, no, that, that doesn't sound like Paul. That doesn't sound like J Jacob. That doesn't sound like Bob. Yeah. That doesn't sound like Julie. And we're going to have to get to it. It's going to be interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of science fiction written about things like that. Photoshop was the first thing. It's fairly easy now to Photoshop something and make a person that wasn't there, there. Yeah. And this is just the next level. It was difficult at one time to put somebody into a photo. Now it's virtually trivial. Yeah. The same thing will happen with our voices. The same thing will happen with our presence, our GPS locations, and all that kind of stuff. It's it's an interesting new world. Do you feel like that would be an argument then for going the digital world? I don't think it's an option. I, I mean, you, you'll have your outliers of people who say, oh, I forego that, but your sheer absence will almost point to where you are and who you are. I don't believe there is a digital world. It's just the world. It's, I'm not negative or positive about it. It's just the way it is. You lived on a street when you grew up and you had neighbors and that was the fact. It was that fact. Mm -hmm. They had right assumptions about your family and wrong ones and, you know, whatever. They heard snippets of conversations and they formed opinions and they heard complete conversations and formed different opinions. It's, it's all the same thing, except there is a great ability to mess with people now yeah so how's that <laughs> yeah no and well i'm curious again maybe this is a silly question i wonder you were saying with the ai is working with a larger data set in terms of our machine learning or kind of that realm of things do you foresee that the future of even talking about the nature of your podcast of innovation that the innovations and entrepreneurial work that comes out in the future, could that basically be pumped out from a machine rather than from the minds and hearts of entrepreneurs? That is, if the nature of entrepreneurial work is engaging with problems and finding a solution, are computers the front edge of determining what those problems are and finding solutions rather than humans? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting. In teaching innovation, you're teaching people to think differently. And in developing AI or machine learning, we're trying to teach a computer to think or to emulate thinking by sheer volume of processing power. And it's, it's usually the subtleties that make an innovation innovative. Mm. There's an aha moment. It's like, oh, that's what it was. 
You know, I, right. mean, I was just rewatching the introduction of the iPhone, and as Steve was dancing about with the with the thing, you know, we're talking about a iPod, a internet device, yeah, a phone. Are you getting it? An iPod, an internet device, and a phone, an iPod, an internet. You know, this one device, and very interesting in reading and watching some of the videos about the gestation period of the iPhone and what happened during that time and how some of it was innovative. You know, one of the most innovative things was the ability for the, when you scrolled with your finger, that it had a rubber band effect at the bottom that made the human interface better. Now, could a machine figure that out? I, I guess I'd like to think that someday it could, but before that was, I mean, when I say it now, it's an obvious thing that you you can sure, yeah. sympathize with and say, oh yeah, I see that. You can't necessarily remember how bad other devices that didn't have that rubber rubber banding effect were to use. I yeah. do because I'm a I'm a nerd techie and I remember that kind of stuff. And I saw phones and devices that didn't have that rubber banding effect. And those little subtle things. I have a difficult time believing that we couldn't. So there's this thing in, in data science called fuzzy, fuzz, well, it's fuzzy math or fuzzy data. And the, the thing is, is that where you take and you sort of take the data you have and you make it a little bit more and a little bit less and you change different mm-hmm. parameters of it to see what happens. And it has to do with chaos and things like that. Right. And so as as we start to apply those things to data sets, I think they'll be tremendously beneficial to help us realize things that we wouldn't have realized otherwise. Now, having said mm-hmm. that, I don't know that we're the synthesis of something. That rubber banding effect right. is a human realization that we needed to have a way to experience something in a different way. And so, right. you know, if you were to go to a, you know, a native on an island and say, here's two phones and they've never seen a phone before. Do you like the one with the rubber banding effect or the one without it? I don't know that they'd have a context to make a decision. So that's difficult, I think, yeah. for machines to do that without a lot more data about that. Now, I think you could probably build an expert system or a or AI that worked on just interface things. And then as the people started to feed into it different options it could probably meld those together into a better option that we couldn't do yeah but it seems like the the controlling factor in terms of what qualifies as innovation is the human factor not merely the parts and pieces that actually end up being put together right well that's true yeah I have a good friend that says he was giving a lecture in Washington DC just a few blocks from the Library of Congress and it's the, all the answers are there. Now, all the answers are in your pocket. You just need to know what question to ask. And so none of us are uneven. The field is completely even for us to be able to innovate. It's really a thought process. Yeah. There's nothing I intrinsically have that's better than you or than the person across the street. We are all able to innovate similarly. Now, we might have differences in the way we can execute that in, innovation, but a lot of that comes with persistence. Yeah, that's the helpful dynamic is that at the end of the day, the innovation is still a human process. It's not merely, maybe that was where my question was wrong footed. It's not merely a problem solution process. It's a human process at the end of the day. I think so. 
I think yeah. so. And I but I do think machines can assist in that. So they could probably predict better than a human could what you might like to have for dinner if you gave them yeah. the information. You know, I had a hard yeah. day, I had this this and this and okay, well then you know, if it's going to be comfort food, okay, let's make pasta, you know, so, you know, however you're wired, or, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're, you know, have celiac disease, they're not going to suggest that. So it's all data. And it's, yeah. it's an optimized fit. The human, I mean, we process enormous amounts of data, and don't underestimate the amount of data that we process. And we also filter out good and bad data. And machines don't have necessarily that ability to wait what's important and what's not important yet i don't know if that's you no, know. i appreciate you let me get into the interviewer chair and ask you a few questions no, on absolutely that all right well we've been talking with jacob young do you have an official title i'm the great and mighty oh no jacob young. no i wasn't it what were we saying it was just yesterday that we were talking about oh mr awesome that's right <laughs> yes that's, yes it's that on your business card that is yeah all right well, we've been talking with Jacob Young, a church planting pastor in Manchester, New Hampshire. We'll have links to his website and some of his blogs. I think it would be good for people who are listening who might be interested to follow him and see what he has to say as he's sort of on one of the cutting edges of our society right now. New England is really in a post-church time, and you've chosen to go and really plant a church, start a church in a, in a hard area. Yeah, exciting times. I I enjoy it. It's a fun time, you know. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, Paul. Thanks for your time. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.